Welcome to episode 34 of Under the Holotable. Maybe that stench is your failure. A Holotable news network podcast covering in-depth analysis, mods, tips, and the hottest topics from the Outer Rim. I am Boxen, and joining me on today's episode, we have Celiac Sarah. Hey, how are you? I am doing great, pop pop, uh, and all that. <laughs> uh, you had a long episode of Crate today, like I double. Did. Yeah, I didn't even realize that we went that long. <laughs> yeah, I was totally surprised. I was like, "Oh wow, lots of stuff in here." You know, I think it would be a really funny gimmick for you guys to do a roster roast on like a one million account and just spend the whole time being like, "I can't believe you have don't have Java." I can't believe you, you know, just things that are like so far way out, but just like that would be the gimmick of it, right? Just, just exasperatedly exclaiming that people don't have stuff because I mean, people already get kind of bent out of shape with your roster roast. I'm just like push it to the extreme, right? Um, That it's just so much satire. Well, uh, well, Sarah, let's dive in uh, because I'm not only blessed to be joined by one Riva aficionado today, but two Riva experts. Uh, welcome, CD. Thank you for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. I'm very, very happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, so excited. Um, I interacted with you a lot um, over on the CAM server. Uh, people may know you uh, mostly from there, but uh, you have done extensive uh, Riva uh, testing and are also seem to be uh, one of the top um, people and with knowledge of the mission. And so that is going to be our topic for today. We're going to dive a little bit more into the Reva mission. We uh, have dabbled on it a little bit with Taliana. Uh, Sarah, you talked about it a little bit on the HNN. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, before we dive into our main topic today, let's get to know our guest. Uh, CD, what is your GP? Oh, um, it's uh, uh, 9.6 million. Not that, not that far off from Taliana last week. Great. I, I'm right about that ballpark as well. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I just crossed 9.7. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and then are you free to play, pay to play, cheap to play, as uh, Taliana was saying? <laughs> yeah. It's it's awkward, right? Because um, uh, in, in a former life, I was a professional ethics consultant. Um, so I worry about all this crap all the time, right? So I am not free to play. However, that said... Um, I think that uh, you can actually use my my account as like a model of what you could achieve free to play because um, I, I uh, paid uh, 25 bucks for some crystals um, when I first started playing the game. And then I've never paid for anything else throughout the history of the game. And it's been seven years, right, since mm-hmm. I, I bought $25 for the crystals. And um, I also took a, a six month break in the game once. And uh and so obviously I could have racked up more stuff in that six months had I continued playing than twenty-five crystals, twenty-five dollars worth of crystals buys, right? So um if you wanted to use my account of like what's reasonably achievable over a period of time, I think my account's a good model, but it's not actually free to play because I did spend twenty-five bucks. Yeah, it almost makes me wonder if there's a statute of limitations on being free to play. <laughs> there you go. Because <laughs> if there is, I feel like you've crossed it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, okay. Are you a Star Wars fan? Yes, I I am. I uh was a Star Wars fan since a kid, but uh I have to say 
Um, I'm not nearly the Star Wars fan that either my dad was uh, or my kids were. So that's, or at least my older kids. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, what what made you start playing the game? My oldest, my stepdaughter, mm-hmm. um, she uh, um, she started playing the game and um, she knows that I'm a Star Wars fan and she doesn't distinguish between huge monstrous fan who you know uh uh wants to do everything star wars and you know a casual fan who likes to see the movies and occasionally likes to talk about the characters and we'll see the movies again when it comes out on home video but you know it's not my life or whatever she was she's so into uh marvel and star wars and uh she wanted somebody to play with in the house and uh her other mom was not that person so um uh, she got me into it and we played together for a couple of years and she eventually stopped and I kept going. Awesome. Um, do you play any other games? I just want to say we're so thankful that you kept playing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I don't really play any other games except for uh, Civilization. So that's that's kind of my other thing. Fun. Uh, and when did you start? Uh, you mentioned seven years ago, so you been, must have started right around the time the game launched? or Yeah, uh, I, I started in early January of 2016. So um, okay. uh, a couple months after launch, but uh, but still very much the beginning of the game. Great. Um, would you say you prefer PvP or PvE content? Can I vote on this one? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I've got uh, an idea. Yeah, the latter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I'm sure was Vox's idea. Yeah. Um, no, I, uh, um, I really respect the heck out of the people who go who who dive hard into PvP. Um, everything changes because you're dealing with you know somebody else's mods as well as your own. Um, but uh, no, I just really like having like a fixed goal and saying, oh, okay, so, you know, this is the raid, I'm going to beat it. And the raid is the same every time. And I'm just going to keep working on it till I beat it. And, uh, and I don't know, there's something very satisfying to me in that. Yeah, yeah once the dust, dust settles on the content, and it becomes, you know, something you can expect, it is kind of fun to crack the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a favorite team or faction? Yeah, so I was uh, I was thinking about that, and I I just kind of I'm very Pokemon, right? I'm very collect them all, um, but I I think that um, I think that it's just I really like women action heroes, and so like I got excited when Mob Enforcer became relevant, right? And I had to her glow up. To, like I'm just like. Women action heroes for me are the bomb. So it's not a particular faction. It's just mm-hmm. when women are kicking ass. So whether it's Leia or Mob Enforcer, I don't really care. Give me a woman that kicks ass. Nice. Okay, like right here first. Favorite character, Mob Enforcer. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but do you have an actual favorite character other than Mob Enforcer? Other than Mob Enforcer? Um, I don't. I don't know that I do. I mean, I think that I have, I think that I have characters that I like more in the Star Wars shows and whatever, but I don't mm-hmm. think that I have a particular 
favorite character in the game. I mean, in the shows, um, God, I can't remember her name, but the comedian who plays the um, uh, who plays the droid and ship repair tech on Tatooine in the oh, Mandalorian series. I can't remember her name either. I know I can I can picture I know exactly her. Exactly, you're talking about. She is yeah. hysterical, and I she was I on Strangers her. with she Candy, one yeah. of the best character additions to that show. Yeah. Anyway, so. I, it, so like I, Amy I, I Sedaris characters in the in the other content, but in the game, um, I don't know. I I I bounce around. I enjoy a lot of things. Well, it's such an interesting dynamic too, because sometimes it's like, is your favorite character because of the way they are in the game, or because they mm-hmm. were the way they are in the Star Wars universe? So yeah, there's always um you know uh, fun to see what how people interpret that question differently. Um and well, I guess it would that be the same uh, person you'd like to see to come to the game? Would you be like super excited if we got that Amy Sedaris character? Oh you know, yeah, that. that uh, you know what? I would. I would be really excited if she came. That would be pretty cool, that, quite frankly. Yeah. That would be. Um, I guess I, I, I kind of uh, loaded that question for you. Is there a character, though, like uh, that you would like to see outside of that? Anyone burning on your list? Gosh. Uh, you know, there. more than anything, it's not a character. It's a ship. Yeah. Yeah, the ship oh, that I really, really have wanted to see come to the game for years now is the Genevex Fanblade. Oh, yeah, that, up. that ah. oh, it's um, it's very distinctive. You'll recognize it immediately. It's the ship that Asajj Ventress uh, flies. Oh mm-hmm. yes, and Look it's got that, that huge semicircular um energy fan tail that like swings out too. Yes, yeah. I love that ship. I just think mm-hmm. it's I think it's so cool looking and like it it um it really invokes the idea of alien technology because what is that what is that force field doing? Like is it propelling the ship? Is it mm-hmm. is it capturing energy as it you know passes through the random electromagnetic fields of a solar system? Like what is that doing? You don't really know, but it's cool as shit and it evokes something very alien and I really like it. I love this because everyone is so focused on getting red five. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, Genovex Fanblade. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Well, I think oh. we all had the same reaction the first time we saw it too. Like, holy cow, that is cool. Like Asajj has the coolest ship. And yeah, it'd be cool. Yeah, she got a ship in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a quality of life update you would like to see them bring out to the game? Oh, you know, Taliana stole these from me last week because we did- <laughs> She and, I, she and I often talk of the cam server and uh, I'm completely with her about, um, I don't even think that, so hers was, for people who didn't hear last week, hers was uh, being able to sim Datacron nodes. And her idea was being able to do it once you get Red Crate. I don't think that's even necessary, right? I think that if you three-star the node, um, yeah. then, you, then you can sim the node and the sims still cost energy. So if you're doing that, you're not making progress on feats, right? Because you're not actually using any characters. You're not actually mm. throwing thermals. You're not whatever. And the penalty there is that you're burning energy and making zero progress on feats. So I think most people are going to not want to do it until after they have Red Crate. But I don't even see that from a programming standpoint, you have to put that in. The The disadvantage is already inherent in the sim that you make no progress on feats. 
that is so smart because I didn't even think about that when you're simming that you're not making any progress on feeds. Yeah. Why would you spend all that energy mm-hmm. before red crate? If, yeah. I mean, if, if your goal is gold crate, then fine, you know, go to gold crate, then sim. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, we kind of put that question because we wanted to see if there would be consistency amongst different, uh, you know, people's perspectives on it. And uh, yeah, I like to see that we're getting like the same update, but different ideas on how to execute it, which is uh, really interesting to me. I think that's a great idea. Uh, I I do think that there's a separate thing, though, about like what the quality of update is that would be best for the community as a whole. Mm, And I I I think that update is definitely the mod snapshot. I have hot utils, so mm-hmm. I'm not, it's not a burning need for me the same way uh, the ability to send data cron nodes is a burning need. Um, but uh, so it's not for me personally, but I think that the community just really needs a mod snapshot feature. Mm, yeah. And is that like being able to take a snapshot of like a whole team's mod sets or? Uh, oh, no, all, all of your mods or... across things so that if you... Okay. Um, because, you know, when we put together cam mods or when we put together Inquisitor yeah, mods, no, you're right. these special mm-hmm. missions, you're you're only modding five teams, but of course you're drawing from as many as 30 possible characters, right? And then going and putting all those mods back after you do a certain mod loadout. So I'd like to be able to, you know, have specific loadouts. For oh, specific I see that type event. of snapshot. Yeah. And, um, and go put those on, go do the event. And then revert to your snapshot that was taken before you moved your mods, um, because I, I actually, you know, it's easier to move those five characters mods because you have them saved in a single tab. These are the Reva event mods or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you just like blow through them. They're usually all in the same faction, um, and you just blow through them. And that part actually isn't that hard with the current system. It's putting them back on thirty different characters that are all in different factions. Yeah. Um, and their their original default mod loadouts are all in different tabs in your loadout saved uh, space. So I think that taking a snapshot and being able to instantly move those mods back um, would be probably the best quality of life feature for the community as a whole, even though what's what would be burning a hole in my programmer dollar pocket would be the datacron node. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm an idiot. I'm glad I asked. I was thinking like a screenshot. But yeah, no, that makes total sense of being able to just sweep it back. Because uh, yeah, I just did. I mean, gosh, knows this like galactic challenge was so difficult. And I played with mods and played with mods and played with mods. I was like, I'm going to get this red box. And yeah, by the time I was done, like my modding was just a disaster. And yeah, thankfully I have utils, high utils. So I just reverted it all back. But um, that would be really nice for the player base, you know, maybe to play or have that accessibility as well for playing around. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, who are you grinding? Uh, what are you currently working on in your roster? So um, th- this question is a little weird. What I currently have no shard farms. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't have Afra, but um, BT is gear 12 needing uh, about what? Uh, about 30 uh, salvage of various kinds. Um, to go to uh, relics, and as soon as he does, he'll be relic five. So um, I'm, you know, about 24 hours away from having Afra, and that's my current grind, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I don't really have, I don't, I don't have any shard farms. I don't have anything else going on. So more than anything, right now, I'm kind of grinding conquest. Yeah, I mean, is Zori the there. next um, sh- uh, character we're expecting to drop uh, into? Yeah, I think so. Farming. 
yeah, she came she came along before the Tuscans. So yeah, mm -hmm. it, it is obviously temporary. There are obviously characters in the pipeline that will be start farming again soon. But at, at the moment, I'm not actually farming anybody. It's a nice yeah. feeling. Um but I guess working on yeah BT. Um, I actually just unlocked Afra, and yeah, they got me with the Armatech data pads. She's still sitting at twelve. Like she needs so many, and BT like ate up a bunch that I had. And normally I keep a bunch on stock, but man, like I'm fifty short, and I was just like, oh man, like I I'm I'm this close to like having Afra. I have her Datacron, and I'm going into this. Uh, round of GA is like just I don't know if it's unusable but I mean I definitely can't use the Datacron with Afro so um, yep just going to take my time on that one um, sometimes that happens um, unrelated question fries or tater tots oh uh, it, gosh that's a hard one I re actually really love my potatoes I like them both um, me too <laughs> it, Okay, so so if I can cheat, um, I actually really like uh, um, roasted potatoes and veggies as like a breakfast or brunch food. Mm -hmm. um, Great, and yeah. So like a, a yeah, so like a scramble with like tofu veggies and and uh, and bunch of potatoes roasted in the oven. That's 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 the bomb. I will happily eat both tots and fries, but but breakfast potato hash. That's my jam. Uh, is it now I want quick... potatoes? <laughs> no, right now, I'm getting hungry all of a sudden. Um, as a quick aside, so actually, I had a different question here, but uh, today at lunch, I was having an in depth conversation with my coworkers because one of the um, fast food places close to our work has tater fries and we took oh umbrage God. with um this just basically tater tots but they were calling them tater fries and so i was saying well if you took a tater tot and elongated it to the right. length of a fry could you call it a tater fry and they did not agree with me but uh i was like if you ask someone what a tater fry was yeah we were trying to figure out what hmm. that would look like so uh fun aside hey uh cd shout out to your guild Oh yeah, uh, Kraken's Revenge. Uh, oh. It's a really great place. Our guild leader is Tiny Tam. Um, okay, you're not married to Tiny Tam. What? No, no. Cd's no. married to her guild leaders, <laughs> or not? C <laughs> I mean, Taliana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Uh, no. Um, she's down south in Georgia, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I'm up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, so we're a little ways away in that, but oh. um, um, but yeah, she is just one of the kindest most lovely people you will ever meet and like i just couldn't ask for a better guild leader um there are there are people that maybe would prefer a different guild style and in order to get a different guild style maybe they would need a different guild leader um but uh but you certainly couldn't find anyone who's nicer or anyone who cares more about their players she goes out of her way to make everything easy and fun for the rest of us she really focuses hard on making sure that we're having a good time she's incredible i love that yeah shout out to all guild leaders right it's a thankless job and we all appreciate what they do and they you Absolutely. know really work harder than a lot of us yeah in those guilds but uh yeah after taliana was singing the praises of her uh guild leader <laughs> i was like oh maybe i should you know marry my guild leader <laughs> um, <laughs> 
But uh, I think that's it. We are ready to transition into uh, our main topic. You know, and, and sir, I kind of mentioned this, but uh, you actually mm -hmm. talked about this with Pico a little bit on HNN. Uh, mm -hmm. And I thought it was so funny because you guys talked about it for maybe like 20 minutes or so. And then you're like, well, but I don't want to get in depth with this. <laughs> it's just like, yeah that's how things work like we go on for like 20 minutes and it's like well this is just scratching the surface so today we're going to get in depth with it um but you know what was really exciting you know sir i think you have one of the most definitive videos um okay. covering the reva mission i mean a lot of people just kind of do their runs or they cover what it was but you like again as we are apropos to do when in depth on you know the whole mission what we're expecting you know before we had the changes and you were mentioning that cd had helped you with that i was kind of hoping you two would uh tell us a little bit about that process um you both went uh, undertook to put that video out yeah um so i i knew i wanted to do one and cd actually asked me point blank if if i was planning to so i, I i'm giving her all of the credit because uh <laughs> i i like to think that you are like the mastermind of the of the strategy and i am your apprentice um <laughs> so but it, it was a great you had a great point because i i it's very hard at least for me, I'm a, I'm a very much like a visual or hands-on type of person. Um, so I, I was like, well, maybe we want to wait until it's live and get actual like video of it. Um, and, and CD made a great point is that we really need people to understand uh, that it is changing and how it's changing before it actually changes. Um, and, and not everyone wants to, you know, read posts some people want to watch a video or have just have them tell them what changed so she had the great idea to do it beforehand and i just kind of took all of the info that i could and jotted down uh the really important things that i i wanted to make sure i didn't miss uh to really convey this this is why this matters and i think that's been one of the things that i really wanted to make sure was getting across properly was a lot of people e even to relate it back to to cam a lot of people didn't understand how trampled work because nobody explained what what trampled was and why they couldn't damage django um so i really wanted to highlight on those similar aspects to reva and like why you need purge but you don't want to AOE in this case or why you need a specific type of modding. Um, and a lot of that came from the, came from CD specifically. And she was posting all of the information on the, the uh, return of the empire territory battle server, and then her own Apple server as well. So that was unbelievably helpful to kind of just get it out there before it went live. And, and I want to shout out to you too, because I, oh. when I was watching Sarah, um, when I, I first saw the video, right, um, the gameplay still isn't live. And uh, I'm watching Sarah's preview and uh, I hear her cover something and I'm like, oh my God, she forgot to cover the exception case, cover the exception case. She's like, but we have to note. And then she'd go into the exception case. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and uh and so when she says that she worked hard to get all the important stuff down she really did she she did a an exceptional job of of pulling together all of the written information and that's uh that's something that 
I just couldn't do. I'm not. I'm not a YouTuber. I I don't uh, pull together content like this. I'm not necessarily great at the audio or video for a um, uh, writing. Writing is writing is what I do. It's what I have experience with. So I I, I uh, produced thousands and thousands of words, but Sarah Sarah's the one that made that an accessible video, and I really tip my hat to her. I, I just think both of you do such a great job of not just covering the what to do, but why you're doing mm -hmm. it, right? And uh, sometimes that knowledge becomes really helpful when you get into situations that you're unfamiliar with or you don't know what to do. Because when you have that deeper understanding of, you know, why the things are going on, that you can make the right decisions. Yeah, when you get like a really weird... I don't know, opening or or whatever, when the RNG just happens to go a little bit sideways and you're like, okay, and you understand what your goal is and how you're trying to get there, you're able to solve it a lot easier versus you just button mashing. <laughs> so. yeah, I think we still had some YOLOing with uh, this first round of <laughs> the mission in TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that was basically it, but it, it, it was a, it was a great, Great effort, I think, all around. Um, but CD, I think what really uh, started all of this and, and what made it possible for uh, for you to really dig into it, you were doing a lot of testing with uh, Barbarossa. He he provided a lot of technical help for that. Um, can you tell us like how that went? What that was like? Do you know how many? I was I was a little bit sad that I was at work so I couldn't watch it. Um like, but Yeah, I watched about like, 15 20 minutes myself. Yeah, um, like how, but I didn't know how long you were doing it like Yeah, time, like how yeah, long were you or doing it? How many it runs for? you got in? Mm -hmm. So uh we had uh five different sessions and uh Barbara's oh. really great to work with. Um but uh he was very much uh not someone to plan ahead. And so um the first four sessions, I was there for all of three and uh, like 75, 80% of one. Um, and, and then the last session, I just missed entirely because Barbarossa would just uh, pop up uh, in my direct messages saying, uh, you want to do this? I'm ready to start right now. And, <laughs> and I'd either be available or I wouldn't. And, and uh, you know. Three times I was available right away. One time I was slightly late, uh, but the last time I just missed. Um, so uh, Barbarossa was uh, very spontaneous, uh, but also very dedicated. So when we when we jumped into it and started working on doing some testing, uh, we would typically go on for a couple of hours um, and uh, wow. test things out in fifty to one hundred uh, different scenarios and. Uh, and we would take all that and then turn that into some uh, uh, theory crafting. And I think that what Taliana said was pretty accurate last week about how uh, we would watch things play out. And then when there was something that we didn't understand, we would say, okay, that's an unusual behavior. What in the kits of the characters accounts for that behavior, right? So then we would trace it back. And uh, in tracing things back, I think that, uh, I mean, I learned much more about the Jawas and the Inquisitors than I ever felt like I wanted to know. Those kids are books, right? Um, and so uh, I I definitely saw a lot of behavior I did not expect, um, which maybe I could have expected had I 
you know, been really carefully parsing the kits beforehand, but instead we use that testing, tried to figure out, you know, what creates difficult conditions? Why are those conditions difficult? What do they stop our inquisitors from doing that we want to do? Um, you know, just uh, how does our, how is our momentum blunted as we're progressing towards our goal? And uh, when we would recognize that, then we would go back to the kids and say, okay, here's how it's happening. And here are all the tools at our disposal to get around this and to get our momentum back. And so we just worked on different strategies. And then uh, Barbarossa helped us uh, turn those into sims and figure out um, whether or not that was going to have a chance of working or not. And uh, then we took the best strategies that we could come up with and made those into our recommendations. Yeah, I didn't realize you did so many sessions of testing, mm -hmm. but it really shows. Um, and it is so interesting because they really pick two factions, I mean, especially Inquisitors, that are some of the most complex in the game. I mean, there's some things that are at face value, but then there's a lot of things, you know, underneath the surface. Um, you know, both those kits are kind of like icebergs. And um a lot of math. It's so funny too. Like when you really get down to it, all, all of a sudden there's a lot of math involved, right? Like percentages of <laughs> yes. this, percentages of that, things you're avoiding. I mean, when you're this it's a chance of a, for a crit, and I mean, just so many crazy, crazy, unexpected things about the kits, right? Yeah, uh, it was one of the things that was really interesting to me was the argument over whether uh, Fifth Brother should have an accuracy arrow or a crit mm -hmm. avoid arrow. Um, uh, because our strategies, um, often worked best when seventh sister did not jump turn meter. Um, but, uh, we also noticed that fifth brother was picking up a lot of unexpected thermals. And it turned out that, that, that mechanic is that uh, fifth brother is counterattacker. And mm -hmm. Jawa has both an AOE and high dodge, right? So you're not just looking at a very rare situation in which Jawa targets Fifth Brother directly. Anytime Jawa drops that AOE, Fifth Brother is going to counterattack. Jawa has a high dodge rate. Um, so we were what we were seeing was uh, uh, a fairly high percentage of the time, Fifth Brother was counterattacking missing and then that would invoke uh grand inquisitors unique that says that whenever any enemy dodges all the other enemies take a very small amount of damage which is an odd thing to write into the kit because it's such a small amount of damage i don't really see how it helps you defeat other tunes right mm -hmm. and yet it's enough to uh cause the jawa scavenger unique to to process so then we get um a, a different it, it yeah then we get different amounts of thermals dropping on our heads and uh and we didn't do anything we haven't had a turn yet and yet uh you have 10 10 thermals stacking on top of uh fifth brother so the question was um whether it was whether we were going to be uh a, more often in a difficult situation because of seventh sister jumping after fifth brother was crit or whether we were going to be more often in a bad situation because fifth brother counterattacked and missed. And that in and of itself was a huge amount of math. So we had, yeah, when you're talking about the math, we did, we did a lot. There was the, uh, 
the cam streamers back channel was full of math for oh god six days oh god wow. yeah uh, i i was even saying like just just figuring out the math on how often fifth brother would get crit um and seven sister would then turn meter jump and i can't even imagine figuring out the math on him having a 100% counter chance and how often would Jawa dodge and then how many times would the unique theoretically trigger for various amounts of thermals um right yeah that's just a lot <laughs> yep <laughs> but i think it's really interesting too uh, the depth in which you know we have to go for this mission or you know untangling this web because you know with a face value of you kind of just think, oh, I'm just reading kits and figuring out kits, but no, you have to have to even to go into the character stats and figure out like, oh heck, what's this? What's the dodge on this character, right? You know, right. what um, <clears throat> at R7. So, and you uh, can't even just uh, you can't even just open up uh, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes and right. and set the Jawa to R7 because like, okay, that gives you their base evasion, but it doesn't tell you what their kit does to it and for jawa the evasion comes from a unique where it's plus six percent per living jawa ally including self right so uh if you just looked at the um, if you just looked at the character stats you'd see two percent but in in actual fact the dodge rate is 32 percent. so interesting <laughs> uh one of the other interesting interactions i kind of wanted to ask you about was fifth brother applying multiple stacks on an aoe right so uh fifth brother applying multiple stacks of purge you mean yeah yeah i mean on one tune right like it seemed like i saw a couple instances where fifth brother would like uh attack a tune and it would go right to six stacks of purge on one tune yeah so he can apply uh double stacks on a basic um, when the enemy is a Jedi. Uh, there's also a mechanic um, with his AoE where he's applying um, uh, a single purge stack to each other enemy. Um, and there's a, that's actually really interesting that you bring this up because we've actually observed a second stack being applied to the target of the AoE. And I still can't trace that back in the kits. This is, and I have spent, literally hours and hours uh working on this and that is one of the most unusual things that i've seen is the second stack on an aoe and i just i haven't yet figured out where it comes from okay great uh were there any other uh interesting interactions that um you kind of wanted to highlight as you were you know breaking down these kits and figuring out um the you know this complex web of interactions between the two factions Sure. Yeah. One of the things that uh, I really found interesting was uh, Ninth Sister uh, grants 20% crit avoidance as soon as one other um, Inquisitor is crit. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Jawas have 10%. They all have base 10% crit chance and then plus 30% from Nebit's lead. So they have 40% crit chance and uh, if you have a crit avoid arrow, that's 36% crit chance. Your chance of being hit is quite low. Um, but eventually somebody's going to be crit. And it's usually seventh sister because seventh sister, we don't recommend running a crit avoid arrow. And 
the reason for that is that you actually want her to be crit so that we can get the 20% crit avoid from Night Sisters Unique to process on uh, Fifth Brother. Um, and then Fifth Brother, who has to run that accuracy arrow, mm. um, his chance of being crit drops from 40% to 20% because of that 20% of uh, crit avoid on Night Sisters Uniques. And so by leaving Seventh Sister vulnerable to crits, uh, you make Fifth Brother less vulnerable to crits, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But that requires something that I actually, it's really funny that you bring this up because it's something that I was thinking about. Like a lot of people think that the recommendations are too complex and too much of a pain in the ass, but that interaction only actually happens correctly if in the squad order, Seventh Sister is placed before Fifth Brother. Uh, because the AOE will attack each character in an AOE one at a time in squad order. So it'll attack, the AOE will attack Grand Inquisitor first, and then it'll attack whoever's next in the squad order, right? Um, and so if you put Seven Sister in the second position, she'll get attacked before anybody else does. She has the highest chance to be crit. And although we don't want other people to be crit, uh, because that will cause Seventh Sister to jump turn order, and we don't want that. We want our strategy to be stable. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't actually care if Seventh Sister is crit because her unique does not give her turn meter when she herself is crit. And so the idea here is leave the crit arrow off, crit avoid arrow off of Seventh Sister, put her farther up in the turn order than Fifth Brother. Now the exact turn order doesn't matter as long as Seventh Sister is farther up. Um, and then let Seven Sister get crit. Uh, Ninth Sister's unique will respond to that crit on Seven Sister, and all of a sudden, you not only have your accuracy arrow on Fifth Brother, but you also have half the benefit of a crit avoid arrow as well, just because of how you put the tunes uh, in squad order in the screen before you press battle. So it's a crazy level of detail uh, that we've done, and one of the hardest things is figuring out how much to communicate. I mean, I'm sure this is of of interest to your audience, but I'm also not entirely sure that, you know, guilds want to like be telling every player, now make sure you put seven sister second, right? This is uh, a a level of detail that I think that uh, most people aren't interested in knowing, even though it actually is helpful. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because when I was doing my guild streams, every single person said, do you want them in a specific order? Because I would put them in a specific order for camp. Right. Um, so it, it it's it's funny because some people just and they they don't want to know why they just want to know right. if if you want it. <laughs> yeah. So my favorite my favorite order is Grand Inquisitor has to be first, right? Then mm-hmm. seventh, ninth, eighth, fifth, and uh, the reason for that is uh, seventh is small, and she's going to in that turn order. She's in a foregrounded spot. Um, and because she's relatively small, she doesn't cover up anybody. Ninth sister is placed in the very back, so she doesn't cover up anybody, even though she's big. And then eighth brother, the next, is foregrounded again, but he's frequently in stealth and he's also crouching. So again, he doesn't cover up anybody. So anybody that you want to tap when you're like choosing whom to heal or whatever, um, you can always tap the person you want. Uh, and so so the while the 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 gameplay only really cares about whether Seventh Sister is before Fifth. That is that is definitely my favorite order right now. Grand Inquisitor, then Seven, Nine, Eight, Five. 
I like it. And and to be clear, we're talking about squad placement order, not turn order with speeds. <laughs> oh, did I say turn order? Yes. No, no, no. I just want to make sure people are very clear that we're not talking about speeds. <laughs> yeah, the speed order is different, right? Yeah. Yes. yes, the speed order is different. Yeah. And it sounds like even the turn order um, kind of modified or was cultivated over time as you were learning the interactions as well. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, you know, how we ended up or, you know, one, what is the final, you know, turn order that we want for them and, you know, how that came about? Sure. So um, first off, let me just say that there are multiple ways to run this. And uh, although I have a turn order that I I think is best at it's at least best for the strategy that I run for most people. Um, it's not necessarily best for everybody because what's best might depend on your mods, right? Um, so I'm kind of opportunistic that way. When I when I get somebody coming to me for help uh, running a stream and I think their mods just won't work for my preferred turn order. Um, then I give it a different turn order and and I just adjust my strategy that way. Not necessarily everyone will be able to um, adjust their strategies that way, but I, I don't want to make it sound like there is one true turn order. Um, still, the there, there are two that I like to highlight. Um, and the one for people with average mods is seventh sister first, mm -hmm. then uh, um, eighth brother, fifth brother, grand inquisitor, and ninth sister. And then the one for people with truly exceptional mods swaps Ninth Sister and Grand Inquisitor so that um, you have uh, one more chance to get uh, to six stacks of purge before Grand Inquisitor goes. The downside to that, though, um, is that sometimes you actually want to delay that. And the, the amount of stacks of purge that you can gain actually works out quite well. Uh, if you put Ninth Sister at the end, if Grand Inquisitor is stunned. Now, if Grand Inquisitor is not stunned, uh, Ninth Sister going before Grand Inquisitor can be helpful just in case you get an unexpected dodge. Now, Nebit's dodge rate is only 2%, so it doesn't come up very often. Um, and you have uh, a, a bit of overkill on, on the amount of purge stacks that are available to you. So you either need to have Nebit not taunt not get buffed uh, or have Seventh Sister jump turn meter or something. And then on top of that, have a dodge. Uh, but if you do get yourself in that situation where both Ninth Sister isn't able to um, uh, convert buffs into purge, and on top of that, you get another dodge either on Eighth Brother or, or Fifth Brother, then having Ninth Sister come in and be that last chance before Grand Inquisitor goes so that you don't have to use uh, Grand Inquisitor with his hero ability and stack a bunch of th thermals on himself and Seven Sister, that that can help a run. So um, the question is, are you more afraid of Grand Inquisitor getting stunned or are you more afraid of this scenario in which uh, Seven Sister turn meter jumps and then uh, you get at least one dodge? So. Uh, I personally think that um, uh, I personally think that the scenario that comes up more often, or at least it did in our testing, was the stun of Grand Inquisitor, and so I I prefer to have Night Sister last to to go clean up. And the idea there is that uh, you simply 
let the purge expire naturally. So instead of using Seventh Sister's special on her first turn, you just use a basic so that you stay under, you don't hit the six stacks um, because Grand Inquisitor is usually going to be at 90% or more turn meter, like fairly close to Seventh Sister in speed. Um, but then uh, with Ninth Sister behind, uh, the difference is, do you want to give Grand Inquisitor 10% turn meter from hitting six stacks while he's stunned? Or do you want to give Grand Inquisitor 80 or 90% turn meter um, after the stun expires naturally from Ninth Sister's cleanup attack? Um, and obviously uh, the latter uh, allows you to have tenacity up before the second wave of Jawa attacks when they're debuffing you or throwing their own thermals. Um, so I, I prefer that one, uh, but there are a lot of higher end guilds that are running without crit avoid arrows and deliberately trying to allow Seventh Sister to jump turn meter more often. And then from there, uh, they have Ninth Sister batting cleanup, so going faster than Grand Inquisitor. But that that requires some really fast mods. And also, as hard as it is for some people to pick up three crit avoid arrows, um, people also generally don't have protection primaries on arrows just lying around either, right? So um, the people who have uh, an average mod quality, average mod uh, inventory, um, I think for for them, the the turn order that's going to work out best is putting Ninth Sister at the end and having seven, eight, five go in that order before Grand Inquisitor, and. You know, you're still vulnerable to stuns, but uh, in our testing, that was the order that was most forgiving, that we were most able to recover from odd stuns uh, and turn meter jumps. That was that was what worked best. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I, th I think everyone, you're kind of talking about those arrows, you know, I think everyone was like accuracy arrow, like, do I have <laughs> those in my roster anymore? You right. know, I think so many of us, you know, delete them all. And, you know, thank gosh, you know, I, I'm one of those, you know, plan for the worst thing. I, I think I had five in my roster or in my inventory that I had kind of just stashed away for a rainy day, you know, might work on, might have that. But it's, it's more interesting, I mean, to be like, oh, and, and it really shouldn't be a health one either, you know, the, the, of right. all the things you might have in your inventory. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, you need this specific case. Oh, but also I can't just be anything you know uh I, I did my best one is on a health set which um i was able to use uh as a broken set thankfully so right um but you know so many people are like no i threw all my accuracy arrows away what are you talking about <laughs> like i need to farm an accuracy arrow so um so fun <clears throat> yeah i had a really interesting thing where i was i i have a really great mod loadout for cam right but i am i am not somebody that generally has god mods um, I've just been so involved in the cam mission that it's kind of embarrassing to be a cam streamer and have substandard cam mods, right? <laughs> so um, uh, I, I just kind of naturally gravitated towards picking up mods that I knew would be particularly useful uh, on the clones or on Shaq during cam runs. And so I ended up with an incredible set of mods. Uh, my fives is just beautiful, 116K health with 271 speed and uh, 6,300 offense. And uh, and he's still R7. Um, and uh, and he still goes after Shakti because Shakti is at 356 speed. And mm -hmm. so uh, that, that interaction where we want uh, fives to go after Shakti, for a lot of people, 
uh, that's the limiting factor on five speed, not just, you know, how fast are the mods that you have available to fives, but um, what is Shakti speed? Because if you can't get Shakti speed up to an insane level, you might be deliberately ramping back on fives. But my fives was amazing. And in part because I had amazing shock uh, mods. Um, and I was looking at this mission and I was thinking, oh my God, I'm going to be completely embarrassed, going to be coaching people, telling people that they want all these you know, great mods and I'm not going to have them myself. And I, like you, had saved several mods, several accuracy mods for a rainy day. And I looked through my eight accuracy mods. I found the four that had the most protection secondaries and the least health secondaries. And I said, okay, I'm going to go with these four. We're going to roll them up, see what we get. Um, one of them didn't hit any speed and was uh, 11 speed, but it's an offense set bonus. And it has a six and a half percent offense secondary on an accuracy mm. So I'm pretty happy with that one. And then the other ones were uh, 21 speed, 26 speed, and 27 speed when I was done with them. So I I have my pick of very nice accuracy arrows right now, <laughs> and I no longer have to be embarrassed. Well, I am envious. That's great. Yeah, and I think a lot of people were working on Critovoid arrows for the CAM mission, so those really came in handy um, right. where they transferred right over for uh, this mm -hmm. mission. So that's great. None of the uh, none of the health primary mods transferred over, sadly. <laughs> right. right, that Figures. was you know, and I think that they might have done that deliberately, right? Yeah, you, they they sabotaged uh, protection with trample in in the cam mission, and mm -hmm. then they sabotage health in this mission by making all the damage you're really afraid of be health percent based. So uh, the more health you have, the more damage you take, it doesn't help you at all, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's very interesting that in both missions, there's a mechanic to sabotage one of your primary modes of survivability, um, but they switched up which one so that you can't rely on those same mods that you spent years developing. Yeah. I, I was wondering if it was deliberate or not. So, oh, I totally think it was deliberate. They're yeah. they're just that evil. <laughs> um, okay, so we talked a little bit about about the differences. Were there other differences that you had noticed? I think I think the uh big one, and I think that everyone has noticed. And if we want to talk about it, I don't know how in depth we want to get into it, but. The, the they added the scavenger tag or his self ID tag and that's what makes his unique work and all of this fun stuff. Um, but he's not throwing out. We're not getting as many thermals as we thought we would get. Right. So that was very interesting when we did uh, when we did our tests with Barbarossa helping us. We assumed that uh, scavenger's first unique. It's his first unique, not his second unique. That mm -hmm. that piles thermals on you. Um, we assumed that that. Uh, first unique would be maxed. Um, although there were a couple of other Jawa abilities that were set at level six. And so mm -hmm. we considered the possibility that it might be set at level six. We also just assumed that level six and level eight, they're not that different. We'll just keep it on level eight, see how bad it is. Um, and uh, the testing uh, showed some seriously bad runs if you if you got just a little bit of bad rng um so a lot of losses in my 20 minutes that i checked out one of your uh gas streams i think it was one of the early ones though too right yeah so we uh we were really struggling there um with some of those cases and then um 
when the uh, when the update went live, uh, SigSig um, is able to code mine, right? So he just he just is able to read the actual text of the code as programmed. And we found that although the self ID tag, which you mentioned, Sarah, was present, um, the tag specifying the level of Java's scavenger's first unique was not in there. And, uh, you know, you would have to read through thousands and thousands of lines of code to figure out how is uh, the machine, how is the client going to respond to this just being completely absent, right? Does it uh, default to the ability not being present at all? Uh, well, that would just completely sabotage the entire purpose of putting the self-ID tag in and you'd get no thermals at all. Mm -hmm. Does it, does it um, uh, default to being maxed out? Um, well, then it would just be identical to our testing. Uh, but it turned out that what was happening was that we were getting a lot fewer thermals. And we went in and we figured out that uh, um, after seeing it happen live, we were trying to guess what was going to happen. And we figured out that uh, what was happening that was that it defaulted to minimum ability level. So level one, as if you had never upgraded it. And at level one, uh, two things are importantly different. One, the one that everybody's going to notice is that uh, the chance to have uh, two thermals, it's always a pair of thermals, the chance to have a pair of thermals drop on you when you do damage to a Jawa um, goes from 80% at max level down to 40%. So you're you're automatically processing that chance half the time, right? So half the thermals. Uh, but the other thing that is interesting about that is the same unique is what provides Jawa Scavenger his stealth. And the duration of his stealth uh, at when that ability is maxed out is three turns. And when it's at minimum, it's only one turn. Um, and Jawa Scavenger is the fastest member of the Jawa squad. So uh, we used to be really concerned about timing uh, Fifth Brother's AOE dispel correctly, um, because if for whatever reason, Scavenger didn't open with his AOE and didn't put himself under stealth, um, then... Uh, you might want to hold off on the AOE, be stuck behind Taunt for one turn mm -hmm. rather than being stuck behind Stealth when uh, when Java Scavenger comes around again, does his AOE and puts himself under Stealth for three turns. So the idea there was, was getting stuck behind the Taunt for one turn was less catastrophic than getting stuck behind uh, the, the Stealth. But then the stealth ended up dropping to only a single turn. And so now your AOE dispel strategy is not as crucial. Uh, you can drop that anytime you see a taunt and everything's fine. So um, it it was uh, uh, two main differences, the number of thermals and the amount of time spent in stealth by scavenger. And it was definitely a surprise to all of us. None of us saw that coming, but I really think that they got it right. You know, that we mm -hmm. complain about, CG sometimes, but uh, if you if you don't appreciate how the Inquisitors play and you're not prepared to wait for six stacks of Purge in order to have Grand Inquisitor give everyone uh, tenacity up, because he can only grant tenacity up if he uses his, uh, his second special, his torture, um, called Ready to Die, he can only grant tenacity up if he uses that against a target that already has six stacks of purge. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
uh, if you use that torture when the enemy has five or fewer stacks of purge, um, now that ability ready to die is on a six turn cooldown. You're not going to get it back. You are going to die of thermals. That run is going to be a failure. That's that mistake by itself is going to end your run. Um, but uh, because we saw so many bad failures um, it, when we were testing, we saw so many bad failures that were just a matter of some RNG that you couldn't prevent, right? And now I think that, um, for instance, if you if you had like Seventh Sister and Eighth Brother stunned, um, then Grand Inquisitor was going to get a turn before you had six, six stacks of Purge on the board. And Grand Inquisitor is going to take a turn, do hero damage, and stack a ton of thermals on himself. And of course, Seventh Sister has already come out of stealth because, uh, already come out of stun because her speed is higher in the way that we mod her. And so she would assist. And so that cascade of thermals would apply both to Grand Inquisitor and to Seventh Sister. And we lost a lot of runs in testing that way. Um, by having that happen, the, the same dynamics can still happen where Seven Sisters stunned, you can't hit six stacks, Grand mm -hmm. Inquisitor takes a turn. Same dynamic can still happen, but now it produces half the thermals, uh, which allows you to respond, um, proactively heal yourself. The heal also provides crit immunity. Um, and then when the thermals go off, they do the minimum possible amount of damage. And now it's a number of thermals you can live through. It's not fun. It hurts you. You have to play the rest of the round careful. Uh, but it's not an instant death sentence. And I didn't like uh, the RNG equals an instant death sentence uh, version mm -hmm. when scavenger's ability mm. is And now it can create difficulties. It can force you to think about how you want to handle this next turn. Um, but it won't instantly sentence you to die. And I think that's the right difficulty level. Yeah, I I know that when we like once everyone started noticing that that ability seemed to have been removed or lowered or whatever you want to call it, I was like, this had to have been intentional because it was there <laughs> before. Um, and and I agree with you. I think it it is a good balance because you're still you're still having to think about your moves. There's still mistakes that can happen that will cost you the run. Um, and I mean, I, I'm sure you saw this when you were streaming. I know I did where right away, right out of the gate, people are like, okay, so we're going to AOE. I'm like, no. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so uh, you, there are things like that where if you don't fully grasp it, you're still going to lose, but it's not going to be as catastrophic as we thought, which is nice. Uh, I am so cynical at this point that CG knows what they're doing, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that, you know, when I, when I first heard, like, the ability was, like, removed or whatever and, like, went to level one, I was like, it has to be a mistake. Like, you know, there's no way that this they did this intentionally or, like, they got it right, right? Because that's what you're saying. Like, they got it right. And I agree with you. It seems like they got it right. And there's, like... 
there's no way they get anything right intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, but no, I, I, I love to hear that. I think, uh, you know, I just figured, oh, you know, they removed the tag and then something in the coding of removing the tag meant they accidentally deleted the ability and we're going to see it come back at level eight. But um, yeah, I love to hear that. Um, yeah. And that was kind of like another question I had was, you know, whether you think um, we're going to, are they going to reverse that change? Do you think they're going, or do you think it's set? Like this is exactly uh, as this mission is going to play and we're going to see no changes going forward. So I actually don't think we'll see any changes going forward, but, um, but I don't want to quite say that it's set because they've been very clear that mm -hmm. um, they were looking at success rates and the success rates were too high. And that's actually what made them go into the code and say, Hey, we're not getting thermals. Um, and this is this is the reason for the obscenely high success rates. And uh, at, but they said that uh, using proper modding and strategy, you would be able to see, you know, very similar success rates, if not the same success rates. Um, and I think that's exactly where we ended up. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen a lot of guilds come to me and say, oh, you know, we added four or five new Grand Inquisitors that were ready for the event. Um, they were, you know, they obviously had them lying around, but they they weren't upgraded to Relic 7 now. People were ready for the mission. They've got more people attempting, and yet they're getting, uh, you know, fewer shards. And then at the top end, you see several of the top end guilds hit 48 out of 48 or 50 out of 50 um, when they you know, those are also the, the guilds that are most likely to have amazing mods, right, in amongst their players. So when you see um, highly organized, motivated guilds um, with top-end players that have great mods, you're still seeing an obscenely high success rate, right? But it's no longer an, an obscenely high success rate where you just uh, open the mission and hit auto and don't worry about it. You actually have to think now. And um, and for 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 guilds where you have fewer ops missions completed, so the pirate is present, or you don't have the profit bonuses from phase two, um, if you can't carry those into the mission, uh, you're going to see some losses that you wouldn't have seen before. And so, you know, we saw some people, um, I, I you know, a couple guilds uh, have reported to me getting you know four or five fewer uh, shards, you know. In a in a guild that was actually mid range, right? They were getting twenty five to thirty shards, and they went up in players qualified for the mission, but down in shards. Um, and my my own guild was one of those. Um, although we only went down one shard from twenty nine to twenty eight, and uh, three of our three of our five losses. Um, I think that's correct. Yeah, three of our five mm -hmm. losses were people who didn't stream. Um, and one of our five losses was somebody that I'm not sure if they streamed or not. Um, they might have been a non-streamer. They might have been a streamer. I'm just not sure. They didn't stream with me. So uh, so we, we still have a fairly high success rate. And we had people who I think, and I obviously I wasn't there, but I think that they not only didn't stream, but they may not have paid a whole lot of attention to the updated strategies, right? And so... Uh, because in our first three attempts, uh, we were one for three. <laughs> so right. it was right, right off the bat. So it was people who were just doing it right at the very beginning. They hadn't necessarily had a chance to hear how much the difficulty had changed. 
And if they went in and yellowed it, then of course they were going to die, right? So um, I, I'm seeing a, I'm seeing some increased losses among some guilds, uh, but the top end guilds who are the most organized and have the best mods, they're not actually seeing a drop off. So I, I think that they got it right. And I think that uh, what they intended, or at least what they said they intended uh, with uh, making the mission harder to complete, but not hard, but not actually seeing a drop off in rates if you're bothering to take the time to do the right modding and the right strategy. Um, I think that's ultimately what we ended up with. It's very consistent with what they said. And they've said things many, many times that were like, oh, you know, this is what's going to happen in the next three months. And then you see what happens in the next three months and it's nothing like what CG said. This time it actually is pretty much dead on. And so, uh, so I think that this is consistent with their vision uh, as far as I can tell. So I don't really expect any any more changes. I think it'll I think the scavenger ability will stay at level one. I think it, it provides that increased difficulty. It, and it essentially is an instant death if you don't use uh, Grand Inquisitor's uh, torture special on somebody mm -hmm. with six purge, right? If you're if you're don't careless about that one thing, um, mm -hmm. that's your whole run. Um, because the the cooldown on that ability is is way too long to get that back again before everybody's dead from thermal. So um, there is a particular misplay you can do that just ends your run, and some people are, are going to be careless about that and and miss it. You know, like I, uh, I I don't complete my HSTR raid solos every once in a while because I'm just not paying attention when I should right. be protecting myself from uh, Nihilus's uh, uh, attack. Right. So you know. Uh, even good players will occasionally mess this up. And so it will no longer be an automatic win. It's certainly not something where you can put the controls on auto and let the game take care of itself. Uh, but it is something where if you have the mods, if you're an organized guild, you should still be getting a lot of shards. And and I think that's where um, I think that's where it's going to stay. The YOLO penalty skyrocketed <laughs> yes. uh, on the changes. Um, it did, but, yeah. But doesn't it seem like... Uh, I, 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 I refer to you on this it seems like kind of what i've seen the success rate you know has gone down what about like five percent like overall you know based on like even the proper modding and the proper whatever or because because we were seeing like it at a hundred percent but now i think overall is it down about five or what would you say it, it's it's come down so um i, I mean i i guess i'll just use my streams as an example right so because mm -hmm. i know that i um, when I streamed with people live, the people that I coached, whether they were in my guild or whether they were people who visited 50 Shards of Cam, um, when they came to me, I know that I double-checked everybody's mods and I know that I used the best strategy that I know how to use. And I ended up getting 54 out of 57. Um, so uh, that ends up being a 95% win chance, right? So when you're saying, are we seeing a 5% reduction? That, that seems pretty dead on to me. Um, uh, it, it might be that um, that I have enough skill that I won a few that several other people might have lost. You know, maybe the, maybe if you take it um, game-wide, maybe the loss increase is more like 10%, but I think it'll, you know, other people will catch up to me. I just, I, I was just a little bit ahead of the curve in learning the mission, but I think that the, the, the final impact is going to be more around 5 to 8% and not so much around 10 to 
There's one other thing you said that I picked up on that I actually thought was really funny that you said they looked at the success rate, which actually is what got them to look at the code and realize they weren't going getting thermals. Because yeah, it definitely wasn't us telling them day one that there are no thermals in this event. <laughs> <laughs> Way back in December. Right, right. Yeah, It's like, oh yeah, no, the, the, the success rate is what made them care. Yeah, not us uh, reporting. Mm -hmm. Um. So, so you did, CD, you did way, way more streams than me. I think I did about 40 or 42, something, something like that. Um, but all of the streams that I did for, for Clarity had eighth brother. So I did absolutely zero with second sister. Right. Um, and they all had ops completed both right. in phase two and, and phase three. So we had no pirate and, and all that right. kind of stuff. Did you notice um, because I know you did some streams with second sister as well. Correct. Yeah. Um, what was like the main differences you noticed though, in terms of like strategy there and maybe even like generalized modding, um, if you were to use second sister instead of eighth brother. So, uh, uh, the first thing is that I always put second sister dead last, mm -hmm. um, hoping that we can get tenacity up. Uh, before she has to go, rather than using her abilities to try to get us to Sixth Purge, mm -hmm. I want her to just not do anything until after Sixth Purge, right? Um, and that's, for people who don't know, um, uh, a lot of people still seem to think that she would be better because she doesn't AoE and therefore doesn't pick up thermals. Mm -hmm. uh, and And for those people, I totally get you. It's a really intelligent thing you're saying. Um, it's, it's not bad. It's just incomplete because what happened was, uh, CG has made second sister, a hero character for the territory battles. And the hero ability for second sister is that every time she uses any ability, even that non-damaging stun, uh, it does a, a small percent, uh, damage to all enemies. Right. So, um, she she does not have the option of avoiding an AOE, whereas Eighth Brother, um, you can put him in and deliberately choose not to AOE if you don't want to. Uh, Second Sister just simply does not have that choice. And so if you put her in and put her before Grand Inquisitor, um, she can go in and stack up a lot of thermals on herself. And again, because Seven Sisters assist, it will also pile all those same uh, thermals on Seven Sister. So... Um, so you have less leeway, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you you're more dependent on um, on seventh sisters special converting a lot of buffs so that you can get to six stacks of purge right away. Um, it's it's definitely a situation where I actually even with people with mediocre mods, I mod night sister. Um, I'll put a speed set on her if I have to. I'll mod Night Sisters to get her out in front of Grand Inquisitor to get that extra stack of purge mm -hmm. to to try desperately. But what really hurts, and but that all that all works a lot of the time. But what really hurts is that uh, in in situations where there are stuns, um, the eighth brother comp is simply more resilient. So I saw I saw. One, I saw two losses with pirates and one loss with no pirate, which is interesting because um, we have I ran thirty seven with no pirate and only twenty with pirate, right? So mm -hmm. 
I'm winning 90% of the time with pirate and I'm winning significantly more than that, uh, 36 out of 37. Um, so around 97%, uh, with no pirate. So the, the pirate, no pirate seems to make a difference. Although I'd still love to have, you know, a few hundred runs instead of only 57 before I start making solid conclusions. But it seems like the, the, having the pirate there is, uh, more of a risk than a help. Mm -hmm. Um, and then uh, second sister, um, I only did 11 runs with her um, and she only lost once. So she was at 91% win rate. Um, and then the uh, the two losses out of uh, 46 runs was not that different um, from my uh, three losses in 57. It was um, slightly higher than normal. It was more like 96% instead of 95, but it really was... Um, not much different uh for eighth brother as a whole um but i don't feel comfortable saying that uh that that tells me that second sister is definitely going to be five percentage points behind because uh only 11 runs is just too small a sample to make any real conclusions but I do know that I'm more nervous when I run second sister. I do know that I have a different <laughs> botting strategy. And I do know that it's less forgiving with um, uh, with stuns. But uh, yeah, I had some creative fun on the edge of my seat wins. So uh, uh, second sister certainly upped the excitement. And that was, <laughs> <laughs> if you like that, go yeah, second. Definitely a clincher. <laughs> Yeah. Um, sir, I wanted to ask you real quick, because it sounded like you had optimal conditions for all of your runs. Yeah. What was your um, success rate? Um, so for the runs that I streamed, I did 100%. Okay. Um, I didn't lose any. The my, my guild did lose two runs, so we did 43 out of 45. Uh, those two did not stream with me. And one of them was a case of using torture on the wrong scavenger. And how much trouble are they in? <laughs> they, they admitted it to me right okay. away. Yeah. And, and I did feel bad. It, it, was, oh, okay. it was a, I was at work um, oh. and I normally do stream when I'm at work. And literally two minutes, I, I was like, I'll be ready at seven guys. Cause that's usually when I'm, I'm able to do things. Uh, and like two minutes before that work just went ass up and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit late. Um, and the group decided to stream the first run without me and they got really excited. I can't fault them for this because I have been drilling it into everyone's heads. I'm like, we got to kill scavenger. We got to kill scavenger. We just got to get him out of there ASAP. And they got really excited because they got Nebit to six stacks scavenger hadn't stealthed and uh grand inquisitor was ready for his bonus turn and they're like well we can just torture scavenger because he's not stealth and then it just went sideways so um <laughs> but live and learn right like yeah I if i can share my own little anecdotal yeah. story i was uh watching a like a show with my wife and I don't, I might jump into a, a stream or a voice channel here and there, but I certainly don't mute and I have my headphones on. I don't, you know, want to bother my wife with that aspect of this game. And um, I jumped in on my guild leader coaching a match. And then I just start, I just 
scream sprint out of that room like because my guild leader was like okay go ahead and aoe and he didn't have tenacity up and i was like oh my god like i've got a job like don't aoe and so yeah like i my wife was like what was that about right but yeah i, I couldn't get like to a place where i could turn my uh unmute my channel like fast enough to be like oh, wait 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 <laughs> yeah so uh and, and they did i think they got like uh, two aoe's off before i got in there we were able to recover the mission it was fine but uh yeah we all had a like a fun laugh about that it's like yeah that's how you start misplaying that's how you get me to unmute yeah yeah exactly so um but i, I am curious because I, I know some people did use second sister that, that's why i was asking um mm -hmm. and, and uh some people were fine with it and some people had it blow up in their faces and i don't know what the difference was in terms of uh what operations they had filled right and how that affected it but it seems to me that eighth brother is the safer option and i feel like it makes sense to go with the safer option yeah i i just wanted to share as well for me uh as soon and so i was one of the people originally was like oh i'm just seventh has the uh, second has the ship i'm just gonna do second right it, it, with the original whatever i'll make it work with the original coding of the mission but then as soon as they announced it let they were looking at it they didn't even announce what they were going to do they just said hey we're looking at it i took eighth right to seven right relic seven it's just like i'm not messing around with this i i know it's eighth is going to be the way to go from here forward so mm -hmm. uh great uh so this I found fascinating, and I was reading this on your Discord server, CD, uh, I, which I wanted to talk about because I had no idea. Um, but can you tell us why it's important to keep crit chance and crit damage minimal while modding? We all know about the health, right? No health. But then I was reading, hey, let's keep the crit damage down. And I was like, what is this about? And it blew my mind. Right. So... Um... First, just let me say that if you're getting profit stacks, you're already boosting your crit chance and crit damage. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and so um, there's there's simply uh, a, a, in the calculate in the mathematical calculations, there's more benefit, more advantage to offense and less advantage to piling a little bit more crit damage on uh, than than you would find if you weren't already getting these uh, large boosts to crit damage from the profit stacks from your phase two ops missions. But that doesn't explain why uh, crit damage is counterproductive. And in this case, it actually is counterproductive. And the reason it's counterproductive is that uh, thermal detonators are treated as an attack by the character who has the thermal detonator on themselves. It's not, even though the thermal originally came from scavenger, the game doesn't track where the thermal came from. It only tracks who it's on. And so when uh, they're doing the damage, they have to decide whether or not it's a critical hit and apply critical damage. And they simply don't have anybody else to draw the, since they don't know where the thermal came from, they don't have anybody else to decide who's crit damage or, or crit chance to use except the character that the thermal is on. So um, if you have uh, high crit damage, you actually take more damage from thermals than if you have low crit damage. And uh, this is where, since you already likely have stacks of profit um, from your phase two ops missions, you're already seeing a boost in crit damage. Um, not only is it uh, less productive, um, uh, less 
mathematically effective on your enemies to go for increased crit damage rather than increased offense. But it also takes an already bad situation with that extra crit damage and makes it worse in terms of what the thermals are going to do to your own characters. And so uh, definitely recommend against the crit damage there. Yeah. I uh, w- Once you had, had posted that, I was like, I didn't even think about, about crit damage and thermals doing that. I was like, okay, whatever. They're just going to hit you. Um, and I I posted that into my guild chat. And a few members were like, oh, another like part of the web. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> One more detail of the character is that, yeah, you can't use crit damage, but why you can't use crit damage is so, so weird. And then people were thinking that uh, people were asking me, oh, does that apply to dots? And it does not apply to dots. And for an interesting reason, and that's that dots are true damage. And uh, true damage, by definition, means there is no crit chance, uh, there is no um, crit damage, it applies the damage it applies. And it that, that also, by the way, means that there's no defense, right? Defense does not apply to dots. Um, mm. True damage does not apply, it bypasses defense entirely. Whereas the thermals, um, not only can you make them worse through crit damage and crit chance, but you can make them do less damage to you by having increased defense. And so uh, this is why it ends up being, if you mod correctly, if you mod protection heavy, if you mod defense heavy, um, if you've got your uh, if you've got your six defense set mods on Night Sister, um, mm-hmm. she can actually pile on a lot of thermals, have them all blow up, and be just fine. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty impressive. It also means that um, although we still advise against crit damage, uh, Seventh Sister, I talked about proactively healing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that Seventh Sister does is that when she uses her heal, she also gives everybody crit immunity for two turns. And so uh, when you know the thermals are going to be going off, you throw up the heal as a proactive measure and then all those stacks of profit um, won't matter because you yourself are immune to critical hits. Uh, the thermals will only do regular damage, but um, you can't always get the you can't always get the heal off in time. Um, so I, I still recommend against crit damage because of what it can do to your own characters. I think a lot of people think of dots and thermals in the same category. I know I did. And then to have this realization of the vast difference between the two, uh, and then to learn that it's scaling based on the tune's own stats, it's just incredible. Absolutely incredible analysis. So it's like the more you know sort of a thing, right? (laughs) (laughs) It really, really is. Um, And then, you know, on that, so when I uh, I actually got my um, mission coached, uh, my Riva mission coached on the cam server, um, which was amazing. Um, thank you by you, CD. We got you got oh. me the shard. Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, and but before I went in, you know, I have just been dreading modding for the mission, which was actually pretty complex. You know, the modding's pretty complex. Right. And um, you guys have some great guides out there, but I wanted to really quick mention that I jumped into a channel with Bears and he helped me with a remod. And actually, since I had hot utils and I want to put this out there for the other players that have hot utils, there is a template out there that will do it all for you. And it was 
in particular, wonderful once I saw what that template had done for my mods, like I never would have been able to achieve it because it broke so many sets and pulled so many different stats in different areas that I couldn't, that are so complex. I never would have been able to keep it all together. But the final picture of like what the stats were on my tunes was like so much better than I ever could have done myself. And so, um, you know, just to put this out there that I think anyone can access. So bears actually like shared it with me, but um, if anyone goes into the playground and goes to the template tab and then searches for Reva, I believe bears template will come up. And from there you can apply it. And actually bears opened up a whole new world with this dynamic once he, you know, shared this with me. So I actually just did um, the Afro mission and knowing that that like first stage of the Afro mission is so difficult to get the win with hondo Mm -hmm. i actually came here and did the same thing like i was like i wonder if someone has like a whole template set for the afra missions and someone did and so i just like searched afra like set up a template that someone else already created just applied it to my tunes went in and like i mean i did the hondo mission and maybe like eight tries and basically bruce breezed through the rest in like one try and i was just like oh what a breath of fresh air to have this new tool you know to be able to do this um in some cases and so um yeah credit to bears and i i have no idea what went into that loadout but i what it is doing is absolutely amazing. And um, I also want to just a quick caveat bears does have some settings that he prefers um, when um, the template like looks. And so actually, if you go into his little modding channel, um, the chat that goes with his voice channel, uh, he has a diagram of the settings that he also prefers that you run when you run the template. Um, but that was such uh, such a lifesaver um, when it came to that mission. And then, you know, when you and I looked at my mods, you're just like, yeah, these are all good until, you know, I rolled speed on uh, Fifth Brother and we had to make some adjustments. But um, right, right. <laughs> change the turn order <laughs> did yeah and so we fixed that but I, I think I, you know and you you see you and I of course fixed and made the adjustment but I think even when I run it again I'm going to just take that template and you know template will probably still use that accuracy arrow but I'm just going to try it again and see oh, yeah. if it will you know optimize again and just kind of maybe fix it a little bit better than you and I did um, you know or maybe I'll have a little bit different mods so um, you know again I don't have to do the work, you know, I just have to kind of run it once you understand um, what to do. And so uh, I wanted to definitely promote that and put that out there, um, that that is available as a valuable tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would not have thought of using it for Afra, but now um, because my uh, my BT is just a <laughs> away uh, from uh, being ready to to go for Afra now. Now you've told me. Now I'm going to go <laughs> in and I'm going to use Hot Utils to uh, remod my tunes for that uh, unlock mission as well. Yeah, and there's a video that accompanies it, which is kind of really helpful. And even uh, what the modding set for the template that he had 
was a little different than what a lot of people have mentioned, which is, you know, load up with speed and durability, you know, health protection and things like that. And he actually put on um, some damage and stuff, which, you know, I was skeptical about. Um, but you can definitely tell the person who made the template ran a lot of runs and then found that this modding was successful. And I did as well. You know, I mean, I, there's definitely some RNG there. You need like to get lucky with a couple dodges, but definitely with this modding, um, it took fewer tries than a lot of people that I know were trying the mission and getting frustrated. So, right. Um, okay. So we, we kind of mentioned the operations um, affecting the mission and, and whether or not you can fill them or not. And the pirate, and there is a pirate bug. <laughs> can can you see? Can you like explain it? Like dumb it down because I I think I understand it fairly well, but I know some people are just like, "What is this?" That's me. What is this? I have no idea. <laughs> right. So um, so uh, other other people um have confirmed uh something that I, I suspected. Um, but I, it, I hadn't even really noticed it enough to suspect until after other people had already investigated and confirmed. So it was weird. I made this offhand comment. I said, it seems to only be happening when there are, uh, two ops missions completed on Tatooine. If you have zero completed on Tatooine, uh, pirate bug doesn't happen. If you have four or more, so, it doesn't happen. Um, but if you just have that one level of bonus, meaning either two or three ops missions completed, that's when the pirate bug happens. Um, and what it does is uh, at, at that level, um, the pirate is supposed to be able to respawn, um, but uh, so that you can face the pirate more than once, right? It, killing it doesn't help you because it will come back. And mm -hmm. in fact, it hurts you because when it comes back, it has the retribution buff um, and you've already gotten rid of that earlier with uh, Fifth Brothers AOE on the first pirate. But if you kill the pirate and have it come back, uh, then then it's got retribution again, right? So you don't want to be attacking the pirate. Uh, but what can happen sometimes is you can get stuck um, behind the stealth on um, Dostcha. And you don't want to be using your AOE specials. Um, and you're gaining a lot of turn meter because... Uh, inks cycle turn meter quite a bit once they start uh, their purge train. Um, and so uh, your characters are uh, doing a lot, but you're really only using basics right at the end of, of phase one in order to be ready for phase two, because controlling JMK uh, is, is really important. JMK is no threat at all. If you keep a mobility blocked, um, he can do as many basics as he wants. He'll never kill you. Uh, but when he starts um, using his specials and getting his ult, uh, he can be incredibly dangerous. He can end your run. Um, but that generally doesn't happen when you have five characters surviving because you have multiple ways to ability block him. You can even stun him. Um, and uh, the cooldown interactions are such that you can you can keep him in that state. Um, but you do need all your, all your specials available to you to do that. And so... Uh, at the end of phase one, you're you're using your basic, and uh, if you can't kill Dostcha before he goes back under stealth, you're forced to attack the pirate. And sometimes you kill the pirate, then you're able to kill Dostcha, and for some reason, the game will summon the pirate back, even though there are no Jawas present. Mm -hmm. um, and the pirate is not supposed to be, because it's summoned, 
it's not supposed to be present when all of the non-summoned characters are there or are gone, right? Are dead. And so uh, you would expect that the pirate to maybe, if it comes back at all, just come back, realizes it's alone and then flee. Um, uh, you know, C-3PO out. Yeah. And, um, but that's not what he does. He comes back and he stays until you damage him one time. Um, and, uh, and, and not only until you damage him one time, but till the end of that turn. So when you damage him, he'll do his retribution and the turn will end and then he will disappear. But what's bad about this situation is that, you know, if you're forced by whatever reason, um, to, uh, cleanse your dots just a little bit early, um, or if you didn't quite finish scavenger fast enough so that you picked up uh, a couple of stacks of thermals, maybe even a lot of stacks of thermals on the last couple of attacks that killed off scavenger. Um, and you've got those thermals sitting on you and you're hoping to kill the rest of the Jawas and end the phase. Um, you might kill the rest of the Jawas, think you're fine, but then have to take another turn in order to um, tap the pirate. And if uh, you're loaded up with dots and thermals, then even taking that turn, even if you didn't have any retribution damage from the pirate, just taking that turn does a lot of unfair damage to you, right? People are not happy about having to take that damage after they've killed all the Jawas. Um, and even if it's just dots, even if there are no thermals involved, that's still damage you shouldn't have had to take. And then mm -hmm. if you uh, pile that on top of an attack on uh, the pirate, the pirate retribution does AOE damage. So if you, even if you only have one character in health trouble, um, it's not like you've got an 80% chance of the pirate targeting somebody else. No, the retribution targets somebody, targets everybody. So um, uh, I've actually had a mission where I um, had two characters, had the first, uh, after we killed Dacha, pirate resummons, and then the first character to take a turn died from dots and thermals and so wasn't able to damage the pirate, right? So then it goes to the next character in, in turn order, in TM order, right? Mm -hmm. And that character also died from dots and thermals. Oh, no. And so then it was the third character that finally lived through their dots. They didn't have any thermals, lived through their dots, um, tapped the pirate. Then the pirate, you know, did the AOE. And so the the character that actually tapped it um, was Ninth Sister and was not in great shape at that point. Um, and so we had to go into phase two with only three characters when, in fact, we'd killed Dostra with five characters alive and Ninth Sister in fairly good shape. Uh, and it seems really unfair to a lot of people that, that this is even possible. Sure, it doesn't happen very often, but it, it seems unfair to people that it happens at all. Uh, so that's the pirate bug. Uh, only happens when you have uh, two or three ops missions completed, one bonus level completed um, on the Tatooine ops missions. Uh, so yeah, I guess if you're a guild that can't hit four ops missions, mm -hmm. then um, you, might, you might prefer to run with zero ops missions completed and complete your ops missions after the Reva runs. Uh, but it's kind of hard to say because they also get a bonus turn meter, which means they can they can run over you pretty quickly in the opening if you're not careful, if they have the turn meter bonuses from, uh, from having zero ops missions completed. So 
I'm not really sure. We haven't really figured out yet whether it's better in the meantime until they fix this bug, whenever they fix this bug, if they fix this bug. We're not really <laughs> sure if we recommend delaying ops missions, but uh, uh, if you can hit four ops missions, you're safe. I was going to ask, because uh, I haven't looked, do we know, it has has this bug been reported? Has it? Have they acknowledged its existence? Do we think it will be fixed? Uh, the bug's been reported. Um, I haven't seen any acknowledgement, but uh, there is a bug tracker, and I just haven't I just haven't looked to see if it's on their list of to dos. Um, uh, I I suppose I should probably do that. Um, but uh, there are a lot of great people who are more um, uh, who are you know coders, professional programmers, and who uh, who keep track of this stuff more often. Sig Sig is somebody who's done a lot of code mining. He's really familiar with that he comments on the return of the empire server frequently so i i generally just assume that sig sig will let me know <laughs> when that when that happens and so i haven't been very proactive about looking but maybe i should go look right now i i i haven't seen an acknowledgement i don't know that it's on their to-do list mm -hmm. uh but it might be since i haven't been keeping track of that uh i'm i'm just glancing at their trello board right now and it's not on there okay there you go. So, I wouldn't expect it. It seems minor enough where it's like they, I could see them ignoring it. Um, but yeah, we, we get none of the ops um, platoon, uh, yeah, operations done um, on Tatooine. So um, yeah, we I, actually, it does seem like a, we run, I, I see that bug with zero. Um, um, Cause I know I've seen it. Uh, and yeah. Um, yeah, and I know that we don't get any. So, um, hey, uh, you know, how much time do you spend coaching now? It seems like when Cam originally started, boy, it, it was just 24-7 straight, you know, mm -hmm. when Cam opens up of coaching. Um, can you kind of talk a little bit about, you know, those days <laughs> and a little bit about these days, you know, uh, what it's like now with the cams and the re and, and the juggling act of now doing cams and revas. Yeah. So um, I, yeah, for the, for the people who know me at all, um, they, they probably know me from cam coaching and um, I, I've been doing that for a couple of years. Um, and uh uh, the cam servers existed longer than that, but I only became an official coach. Uh, oh, it's March. I think it's two years ago this month, later this month, but I think it's two years ago this month that I became an official coach. Um, uh, so um, I've been doing it for a while and it helped a lot of people with runs. And I I have been known for my marathon sessions. Uh, you know, there are 72 hours of of uh cam and yeah, what's your longest like what's your longest streak yeah i you did, know i did 61 hours out of 72 one month so <laughs> um wow uh, uh i was i was always pretty much over 50 hours but uh but 61 was on the on the high end yeah that's so, like uh, melt your brain by the time i mean mm -hmm. even in the middle of it right it has to be start turning to mush yeah yep yeah, yeah that last that last night right so you like one, two in the morning with eight hours left to go in phase four and, uh, and your brain starts to go. And uh, yeah, I have, I have made mistakes that have cost runs. Um, mm -hmm. Not all that many, very fortunately, not hasn't happened all that many times, but it, 
it has happened. And uh, I console myself having cost those people those shards that, uh, you know, they wouldn't necessarily have done better with no help at all, right? <laughs> yeah. <And> so, like, <laughs> um, yeah. So that yeah, the cam mission is just so complex. Uh, so um, I love that uh, hour fifty of CD is still better than uh, no CD. <laughs> then no, yeah, then yeah. no streamer at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, so, even after like sixty-one, though, you have to close your eyes and must, you must still see the mission like playing out. <laughs> like that's a that's a really interesting thing you bring up because uh, uh, doing blind streams is a thing. It is. And so. So when uh, somebody is able to talk to you on voice, um, but they can't share their screen, uh, they will um, they will tell you what's happening. And uh, because they're not a streamer, because they're not practiced, that's why they're coming to you for help. Mm -hmm. um, they don't always even know what's important. So you can tell them, you know, I want to know every time Boba Fett attacks. I want to know who he hit, what the damage was like mm -hmm. every single time. And uh, and then they just won't record it. They won't they won't bother to tell you when Django attacks the Reek because they think that when you say every attack, you just mean every time my clones take damage. I'm like, no, I have to know the progress on the Reek, right? And so um, you're you're working your best, you're doing your best, but people uh, but people just don't know what's important, and um, that's why they're coming to you for help. And so those situations in which. Uh, you're you're doing a blind run, uh, especially with the less experienced people who don't know what to report to you, and you have to close your eyes and you have to think about things. And uh, and yeah, it is at this point. I've been doing it for so long, and I've done so many runs that I can close my eyes, picture the board. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I can even guess turn meter. I'm like, we should be in a place where this person's turn meter is right about here, right? Um, and uh, uh, you know that is that is particularly hard, but I can often I can often keep track of damage in my head even when they don't report it. So there are times when I'm like, okay, so the reek should be about 25, 30 percent protection right now, right? And they're like, yeah, how do you know that? I'm like, it's okay. I, <laughs> I can't tell you how I know it. It just I just know it. it just <laughs> um, happens. Have you? And so, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I am at a place where I can close my eyes and <laughs> see the board. Have you had to do a lot of those? Because I've only done, I've done two blind runs. One was Cam and one was Reba. Uh -huh. um, and it sounds like you've done considerably more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, you still, you, you try to avoid it, but I don't yeah. know, 20, 30, mm -hmm. less than 30 probably. That's still a lot, though. Yeah, in two years, that's, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a weird thing to do. It's, yeah, a, it's, it's definitely a stretch, skill set-wise. Yeah, what a muscle, yeah, to flex on that mission. Um, or to even develop, right? That skill to develop. Right. Um, so... Uh, and so what's it like now uh you know you're doing the juggling of you're you're still doing cams and guilds are still doing cams still need some cam um shards and then um but now you're also doing the reva missions right so one of the things that's true is that um if people were hitting cam in p3 they're probably a big enough guild that they're now doing return of the empire and so the number of runs in P3 has just cratered, right? Um, 
for Cam. Uh, but the number of runs for Cam in P4 is not that much less. It's a little less, but, you know, maybe maybe 25, 30 percent less uh, runs in P4. Um, and uh, we also have more streamers now than than we did for a little while, especially last year. God, uh, you know, like March to June last year, we just really didn't have that many people. Um, who were sharing the load with me. And so um, there's a crazy few months there. Um, That's when I hit 61 hours. Uh, But um, uh, now, now things are, things are pretty different. Uh, Things are, are um, really pretty wonderfully casual. We have um, enough streamers on at any one time that we sometimes have three or four channels open at the same time. Um, but we don't have three or four channels open with seven more people in line, right? When we open three or four channels, it's because there are five or six people total in line and we just open up a bunch of channels, burn through the burn through the backlog um, so that nobody has to wait too long. And then we're back down to one channel and all the streamers can, you know, we enjoy each other. So all the streamers can hang out in one channel and it can be very casual and we can trade off doing runs from one streamer to the other. So no one person has to work continuously. So even though I've been online in P4 uh, for a large number of hours, um, it used to be that I was not only doing 61 hours, but that I was constantly uh, using my voice, constantly talking, constantly coaching. And uh, and now it's it's very often where I'm watching another coach run. I'm there if we're needed. Uh, I'm there if the run line gets long. I certainly take my turn. So the, if there are two or three coaches, then I'm doing every second or third run. But I'm not doing every single run. I'm not constantly busy. So um, so P4 is kind of relaxed like that. Um, uh, the Reva missions were really hot and heavy on uh, P3 and P4, which again. Uh, you have to remember to convert that P3 and P4 Reva is not the same as P3 and P4 Cam because mm-hmm. Cam has the 36 hour phases and Reva has the 24. Um, but most of the people uh, who are Reva ready, um, there are tons of guilds that will hit Tatooine in in phase five and phase six. Um, but if you're hitting, if you're not hitting Tatooine until phase five, um, the total number of Reva ready ink squads in your guild is probably less, right? Right. And so um, in P3 and P4, um, you have guilds hitting that have 30 and 40 and 50 members ready to go. Um, and then in in P5 and P6, you're having people show up and the entire guild has, you know, between two and seven people who, who might need some, uh, need a run, who might be qualified for the mission. So... Uh, it doesn't actually overlap as much as you think. In the first two days of Reva, you get a ton of Reva missions. And then uh, on day three of Reva is when it falls off. But that halfway through day three of Reva is when um, you start getting your phase four um, uh, cam runs. And so they they don't overlap a ton. It's a lot of Reva early and a lot of cam late. Um in P3 cam and and day four and five uh, Riva, you you do get some overlap, but but still it's pretty, it's mostly separate and uh, very, yeah, mostly separate. Um, it's a 
and and also I it's even more separate for me, right? Because uh uh although although we had four different stream no, I guess we had five we had five different streamers do um Reva runs, but mm-hmm. three of those streamers uh took very few runs. Um and they were they hadn't done quite as much work. They weren't available to to watch the testing and to be involved in the early theory crafting as much. And so they just didn't feel that they knew the mission as well. And so for a while there, uh, during those days when there was overlap, um, Snow Leopard and I would set ourselves up um, doing the Reva runs that came in. And then we would have the other streamers who were less experienced with Reva, but very experienced with Cam, just take the Cam runs. Um, and so not only does the do the phases kind of somewhat segregate Reva from Cam, um, but also then within the within the server itself, um, we just had different people prioritizing coaching Cam versus coaching Reva. And so uh, I, I didn't have to do the thing of going back and forth, taking one Reva run, taking one Cam run, taking one Reva run. I didn't I didn't have to swap my brain mm-hmm. uh, into different channels uh, in that way as much as I as much as I thought I might. I think it's another really interesting thing that I didn't even think of, but the volume of Reva stuff you're doing is really dependent on people who have Grand Inquisitor. I mean, that's not a character that you can just go get. Like, you have to wait for that event to come back. And so uh, that does make a lot of sense especially like every time maybe that event drops, well, I guess until it goes into um, the journey guide, but um, you know, especially like the next time that event comes around, you'll probably have a lot of people with the new inquisitor teams that are, you know, discovering this mission, you know, for the first time, it might need more coaching. So you might see a little bit more of an influx, but um, yeah, that's certainly the case with my guild. We, we only have a small handful of Rivas and um, yeah, I don't know why I hadn't kind of thought of that. Um, but yeah, it's really availability still at this point for that. I mean, because, you know, with Shakti and clones, you know, and what you can get kind of get by with R5, but it's like, not only do you have to have GI, but also getting them all to R like that full team to yeah. R7. So, right. um, yeah, yeah, really, really interesting point you made there. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of the difference in, in Cam and Reva CD, what is do you think the more interesting one to solve cam or the Reva mission? So I have to say that the, my experiences of them are very different, right? Because yeah. I, I wasn't there on day one of the cam server. So I wasn't there doing the theory crafting before the practical experience. Right. Um, and, and if I had to do it, it, it whereas with Reva, I was, if I had to do it, that's absolutely the way that I would choose to do it. Because um, for Riva, the theory crafting is intensely interesting because the kits are so complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you go into the mission, there are only so many good choices. And then once you get past the opening where you've got tenacity up, um, you go all in on scavenger. And then once Scavenger's dead, uh, the rest of it plays out almost exactly like it played out before right mm-hmm. uh, so uh it, you might be in a slightly different place coming off of the opening um uh but the rest of it really is identical from a programming standpoint the only thing that's different is you you might have a little bit less health or protection 
um, because of the action of the of the thermals and dots earlier. Um, so Riva is really interesting from the perspective of sitting down and doing the math and reading the kits and all that. Um, whereas Cam, uh, Cam is just, I like to, I like to call it strategically deep, right? Mm -hmm. Um, there are so many different possible situations which call for, uh, uh, violating something that is otherwise a, a good strategic rule, right? So, we we don't normally want to attack the reek in the cam mission um before sacrifice happens because um lots of small attacks on the reek uh do the same amount of um stat increases as lots of large attacks on the reek right mm -hmm. um and so you're better off doing uh, a fewer number of attacks on the reek where each attack does more damage um because the amount of of stacking stats that the reek gains uh, is per attack, not per point of damage. So you're better off doing few attacks, but big hits uh, with the Reek. And yet there are times when uh, Shakti might not have trample and you might want a bonus turn for Shakti because somebody else is in health danger, but your heal is on cooldown. And, uh, and the B2s are sitting there ready to AOE and give shock turn meter because she gains turn meter every time an ally is hit. Mm -hmm. um, and so you might want to say, sure, it stacks stats on the reek, but if I can cycle through shock T's cooldowns really quick, maybe I can get this heal off, right? That's currently on cooldown. And so you're, you're going ahead and attacking the reek in a situation where all of the advice you will ever read on the internet says don't attack the reek until after sacrifice. And here you are uh, in a bad situation, right? And it's because you're in a bad situation that you're saying, no, I think I'll attack the reek. Whereas most people would think, oh, if you're in a bad situation, don't make a bad situation worse by breaking the the common wisdom of the run, right? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but yeah, reek, the, the cam mission, um, is so complex to play, um, whereas the Reva mission is so complex to theorycraft. Um, and so uh, I got I got the best of both worlds. I, the theorycrafting <laughs> was done for Cam by the time I hit. Um, and Taliana, you know, taught me tons um, of, of hard-earned wisdom. Do not form up on turn one unless you're on fire. All, you know all the basics mm -hmm. um and so i didn't i didn't have to spend any time uh learning the 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 fundamentals they were handed to me um or, or figuring out the fundamentals they were they were handed to me i could learn them just from other people's wisdom um uh but the the gameplay is so strategically complex um and i just i just love every single run that i do with cam i just i love them all and so um i uh, they're very different in the in in the fact that one is more complicated theory crafting and one is more complicated during actual gameplay. Uh, yeah, different different perspectives. But I I got the best of both worlds. That's a good point because um, I think like the biggest like for me at least the biggest difference has been that Cam is this really complex like three way battle and and Riva is your stereotypical go through one wave you know like the jawas aren't fighting each other they're only fighting you 
Um, right. And that's what really I liked about Cam was you had who who do you hit? Are you hitting Django and the B twos? Are you hitting the Reek? Like what's what's going on with the puzzle? Um, right. And that's what exactly what you were saying makes it more complex in terms of the actual gameplay. It sounds like you really appreciate the challenge that the cam mission provides. Oh yeah, no, um, I I love and people, I don't know if people know this, but there's a there's a Fifty Shards of Cam, um, YouTube channel, and uh, none of us are YouTubers, and so these are just like unedited runs that we've done. There's no music. There's nothing special to, you know, hype it up or anything. Um, so you have to be pretty nerdy to sit there and watch silent cam runs, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, but if you're into it, uh, you can see how much I appreciate the challenge because uh, I actually kind of got famous for winning difficult runs. And so um, so people decided to deliberately challenge me by saying, okay, no shock tea. Um, but you're not, <laughs> you're not doing bad batch. You're doing, you know, some other thing, right? Um, so, uh, you know, uh, Strider was the one who first started giving me challenge runs. Um, but then uh, kind of word got around about those and a couple of them had videos and and a couple of people saw those. And so uh, some other people from big guilds, uh, you know, I'm not really sure. Xlor, I think, is in Maw, but maybe he's in a different one of the top end guilds. But uh, Xlor um, dropped in and had had uh, heard about me um doing shock t-list 501st runs and was like oh well you know can can we try this i i just want to i've heard that you can do this but i i just want to see if it's all luck you know if you just mm -hmm. do enough you eventually win run or you know if you can do it on demand i'm like go for it i love a challenge and so then he brought him in and and i won that one um but what was your lead on that one can i ask uh, if you're just doing 501st uh, i'm pretty sure it was cody um, oh man <laughs> yeah so um so strider strider who started these would uh uh started off by making me do cody leads and i you know i won a couple lost a couple um uh but then he was like okay let's do rex with cody um but uh, rex lead right with 501st and cody but um i'm gonna add an additional condition right and so <laughs> Uh, there would be these these wild rules, and the the best one, the one that just was uh, hysterical. I just loved it. Um, he told me that uh, the moment that Cody dies, uh, the mission goes on auto, and I don't get to make any more decisions. <gasps> so, I if I want to win, I have to either win with Cody alive, which is incredibly hard to do, mm -hmm. or just keep Cody alive long enough. That you know, we get to that you know last endgame rush against the Reek, and uh, it doesn't matter if Cody dies because there are no target choices to make. There's no difficult decisions, right? And so, um, yeah. So that was that was a completely evil challenge there. That one, that one was brutal. Well, and so those YouTube videos are on that channel. Yeah, yeah, they are. And so um, I try to uh, label the the ones that are either direct challenges and, you know, and sometimes I, uh, uh, 
anyway, I try to label them as epic, right? Um, so there are certain runs that are labeled on their epic and you can you can watch the epic playlist. But I also tried to categorize things as, you know, burn openings or, or this mm -hmm. kind of opening or that kind of opening so that people who are trying to learn the mission uh, have a very easy time sorting it. But if you're just going there to have a good time, check out the epic runs. And and not all of those were like people who were deliberately trying to present me a challenge. Some of them were just people who accidentally platooned Shakti, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so that they're like coming in begging for help so that their guild leader doesn't kill them. Um, and so you, you've got some of those, you've got some uh, Strider challenges, you've got the Exelor challenge. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're fun. Go look at the epic runs. Wow. Yeah. Well, listeners, what are you waiting for? Get yeah. over there. Subscribe, <laughs> smash that like button. I mean, do all the YouTube things. I mean, that that's great. I'm, I'm going to check that out. It sounds like a lot of fun. Um, but I'm actually kind of glad you brought that up because one of the other things you do is classes. And um, are you planning on doing any Riva classes on? Ab yeah, absolutely. So um, cool. one of the things that's been hard is that uh, December I was uh, moving um, and so I wasn't able to hold any classes in December. And then January and February, uh, uh, Reva theorizing in February, uh, January, I was unpacking and uh, other stuff was going on. Plus, it's just uh, two territory battles, right? So um, just more going on. So I haven't done as many classes uh, in the last couple of months as um uh, as I had previously, previously I'd done a couple of week for three for the three weeks that aren't light side territory battles, um, so five or six a month, um, and uh, I just haven't been doing that the last three months for various reasons. And so people have been wondering, you know, are those are are we going to keep up? But yeah, absolutely, it's it's in the plan. Uh, just life overtook me, uh, so we've only had one or two training sessions in the last couple of months, but it it'll come back. Um, it'll come back. Very cool. Yeah, I'll definitely keep an eye out for those. Um, check. Those oh, and out. if you if you want to be notified of those, uh, people should know that uh, what you do is you go to Fifty Shards of Cam and uh, join that server, and then there's actually a role you can pick by in the roles channel. You click on the the Cam icon, and uh, and that gives you the role that's called Cam Padawan. And then uh, when I'm doing a training, what I do is I just at all Cam Padawans. Um, and that way I can notify all the people who are interested in the classes without notifying, you know, at everyone about stuff that they're not necessarily interested in. So uh, if you are interested in that, even though the role is Camp Padawan, uh, the the Riva classes will be um, announced the same way. Uh, that is great. Uh, I'm glad to hear you promote that. And speaking of, yeah, just getting involved or being able to find and access this information, the CAM server is a great place to go for a few shreds of CAM. Um, definitely recommend checking it. We'll, I'm, there's kind of links everywhere. I'm sure I'll put one um, in the HNN server. Um, but also importantly, uh, which I just learned this week, you have your own uh, Discord server called The Apple. Um, very fun uh, play on words, CD. And um, yeah, it's a really great place. I've, I've been having a ton of fun um, just kind of looking. You um, have done a lot, shared a lot of your thoughts um, on the Reva mission as you've kind of developed and been learning and breaking down and theory crafting um, that mission. Um, and it's all there on your server. Uh, I am going to link uh, your Discord server 
in important resources for UTH. Uh, so listeners, if you do want to check that out, feel free to um, find it there um, and you can get more involved with uh, keep up on all of uh, the happenings with CD. Um, and then, of course, uh, lastly, just to also mention the ROTE server, um, which is keeping up with um, just the general, all of the events happening with the new TB, um, including um, the Riva stuff. Have you been um, very active on the ROTE server regarding all of your um, Riva um, discoveries? Yeah, so... Um... So the Apple wasn't really opened to compete with uh, ROTE. ROTE is an amazing right. server. And it, um, the uh, people there share tools for uh, TB officers and guild leaders to, to plan their missions and to help figure out how many of what tune they need to bring up uh, for ops missions, that sort of thing. Uh, really, really wonderful place. Um, but uh, uh, Griff, um, who's the wonderful proprietor there um didn't didn't want to take responsibility didn't want to risk his own reputation on uh theory crafted stuff where he hadn't been able to be part of the theory crafting um he considered all of that uh um unconfirmed until the mission uh actually hit uh which you know uh, completely reasonable and in fact the, the mission wasn't exactly what we expected all those the change of the level eight ability to level one, like we talked about, was not something that we had anticipated. So um, it, it's not like he was even wrong about that, but he uh, he wasn't going to pin any messages about this or do anything that that seemed like he was endorsing one way to do the mission um, because he was afraid that things would change or or that just that, you know, shoot, like I can be wrong, right? And in fact, during this whole theory crafting process, one of the brilliant things was how many times I was wrong about something, forgot something, didn't notice something in a kit and said, uh, you know, oh, we should probably do this. And then somebody would ask me, is that even though the kit says blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, does the kit really say that? You know, so like, <laughs> although I'm responsible for a lot of this, there's a uh, um, every time that uh, that I made a mistake, somebody was there to catch me and say, oh, wait, hang on. Um, so there's a, a lot of voices that were involved, and many of those voices uh, were on the ROTE server. Um, but uh, but ultimately, Griff just felt like this is all um, preliminary. Uh, it's all conditional. Um, we don't really know. So uh, he wasn't willing to pin messages or, or otherwise promote them or create a separate channel that only certain people had access to. Um, and as a result, as reasonable as that was, um, as a result, uh, I was getting asked the same questions over and over again because um, information would get lost in the in the comment history. And so uh, the Apple was was just opened in order to have one place where it was all a little bit easier to find. But um, most of the information was actually originally developed um, in conversations on uh, ROT and in 50 Shards of Cam. Um, uh, and with Barbarossa. So um, it, it it wasn't actually originally developed uh, in conversations on the Apple uh, so much as it got developed other places, including ROTE, and then got got stored, made available. I, I think it's a lot more accessible. It's easier for people to find. If you go to the Apple, um, there, it, it just everything has scrolled up into the comment ether um, at ROTE. So uh, if you're 
If you're clever with searching, you can probably find what you need at ROTE. You can also go there and ask. Um, if you, but at this point, if you're just looking for Reva information, if you're not a TB officer uh, uh, looking for other tools, if you're just looking for Reva information, the, the easier place to find it and, and read it all in one sitting is probably the Apple. Great. Yeah. Uh, great job. Yeah. Promoting um, all of that information. That's wonderful. Um, so, yeah, we're going to pretty much wrapping up here. Uh, I want to just kind of jump a little bit out of the Reva mission. We've covered it a lot uh, here. Um, but, yeah, we got, you know, new raids coming up. Um, have you ever dabbled, dabbled with, like, raids? Um, do you think you're going to do any breakdowns in theory crafting with the new raid? I am certain to do some breakdown in theory crafting with the new raids. Um, uh, it's it's a little bit weird because I I was not a tip of the spear player for most of my career. Like you know, right now I told you earlier I've got no shard farms left. I'm caught up. Um, but uh, but right now, um, I, it's, what happened was I just I took a I took a break fairly early. I wasn't a day one player. We talked about that, right? And then but mm -hmm. then later I took a six month break. So I was just constantly a little bit behind and uh, not being a tip of the sphere player um, meant that I wasn't necessarily ready to use my own tunes to to try out different theory crafting methods. But now that I'm there, um, uh, it's been great fun working on Reva, having Reva ready tunes. Um, and uh, and so I'm I'm no longer behind. So now that now that my now that my tunes are in a place where I can use them to experiment um, and now that I've made the connections that I've made on, on 50 shards of cam that allow me to get information from other people, um, I'm really, I'm enjoying the theory crafting that we've been doing and I'm, I'm certain to continue it. Yeah, that's great. Kind of get into the other avenues as well. I mean, uh, you know, raid theory crafting is, is such a hallmark of, uh, you know, some content creators for quite a while. But, uh, you know, now we haven't had a raid in forever. So uh, mm -hmm. who knows? Maybe even Sergio will come back. Tell, tell him to uh, <laughs> <laughs> dive into the new raid foray. But um, with that, CD, thank you so much for your time and thank you for joining us and thank you for sharing your wealth of information uh, just across the whole spectrum of the game. Um, we really appreciate um, everything that you've shared with us today. Thanks. It's been wonderful hanging out with uh, you and Sarah. Great. Uh, and lastly, shout out to the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us and making it here to the end. We appreciate you. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And with that, it is time to go switch off. <laughs> <laughs>